Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you all here. More than I expected, actually. I had no idea how many we'd get this morning. And good morning to everybody at home. I know there's plenty joining in with us at home. So good morning. You're welcome. You're a part of the family here. I just want to start off by sharing something I read and received this week just about uh, everything that's going on in our world at the moment. And it really, it really impacted me. It was a note of, of real encouragement, actually. So I want to share it with you guys before we kick off with the other things this morning. It says this, We are in times of shaking. Around us are many disruptions. People are fearful. Governments, authorities and organisations are taking drastic steps to contain the coronavirus or at least show its spread. We pray for breakthroughs in this process. We also pray recovery for those who have contracted coronavirus, comfort for those in mourning and protection for our homes and families. In the midst of this, we must walk in faith and not fear. God Almighty is completely sovereign and nothing is outside of his rule or authority. He is watching over each one of us. Amen. There are many qualities we need right now. Two of these are courage and prudence. We need courage because to be fearful is also contagious. A paralyzing power that saps spiritual vitality and produces harmful effects. Fear spreads like a virus, and when we give way to fear, we lose our sensitive hearing of God's voice. Courage is the opposite. It is that quality of mind which enables us to encounter danger and difficulties with firmness, boldness, and resolution. Moses said to Israel, be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Along with courage, we need prudence. The prudent took oil in their flasks along with their lamps. That's from Matthew 25. Prudence does not mean a lack of faith. Rather, it's the ability to make wise decisions, the exercise of wisdom in discerning the consequences of our actions and acting accordingly. Amen. So that really encouraged me. I thought, yes, God, grow those characteristics of courage and prudence in our lives during this time. May we be pillars of his hope, of his light, and of, of faith, really, not fear. So I leave that encouragement with you, and that's all we're going to say about the coronavirus for the rest of the morning. So as you'll know, here at BCC, we've been working our way through a series called Walking Ancient Paths, based on a scripture from Jeremiah 6.16, which says, you know, ask for the ancient paths, ask for the good way, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. You know, and Tim kicked us off by, by just explaining that, hey, this is a few weeks where we're just going to step back, we're going to stop, we're going to stop in the the face of the frenetic life that we live and we're going to take time to look at some spiritual disciplines that really help us prioritize God as number one in our life, of practicing his presence, of looking at some things that allow us to just reconnect with him, to stop and reflect and reconnect. And, 
and Rog looked at self-denial and, and how that helps really align ourselves with what's important in life. And, he, and then we looked at fasting, which just creates time and space. You know, it's where we really take up our cross. And I know there'll be plenty around who, during the midst of all this stuff, want to take time just to fast and pray. And then Rog looked at what he called small-minded godliness, where we just want to take a step back and take time to consider. Consider the greatness of God. Consider how big he is, you know, that he is sovereign. He is so much greater than us. You know, we really see the fragility, how fragile human life is at the moment, but God is sovereign. He is in control. And he is great. So we're going to take, take the opportunity in these weeks to really incorporate some of these things into our lives. They're good things, you know, they're, they're good for us to grow in and to practice and learn. And so today we're going to look at slowing down. And it was a bit of a, a, bit of a joke amongst a few of us, like, oh, that's funny, they gave Nikki slowing down, you know, she does so much, you should really be preaching this to yourself, all this thing. You know what, really I am. This morning in preparing this, I, it was really a message first to me um, and then to the rest of you guys in, hey, we need to just slow down. And then I was reminded of a, a Michael McIntyre skit that he shared, where he was sharing about when he went down to Australia and he said, Australians are the most laid-back people in the world. They talk like they've got all the time in the world to finish their sentences. Well, they're 11 hours ahead. Never going to catch up anyway. So I thought, no wonder they gave it to the Aussies. But I've got I've to practice slowing down, speaking at this sort of pace. So I want to ask you a question, something to consider this morning. What is the the primary distractor, the, one of the most challenging things that distracts us, that disconnects us from God. Now, I want to suggest to you that it's busyness. You know, we live in such a busy life, such a busy world, don't we? It's like we're sort of constantly in a rush. You know, busy, busyness in itself isn't bad. I think you can have a healthy busyness and an unhealthy one. You know, Corrie Ten Boom once said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Because it's busyness, it's rush, it's hurry that disconnects us from God. It takes us away from him. It, it drains us. It drains us. It disconnects us. And it distracts us. The devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. They have the same effect. You know, but as I was saying, busyness in itself, it's not a bad thing. You know, busyness, the world screams that if you're busy, you're important. But it doesn't equal that for us. You know, we want to walk in the opposite, the opposite way. It's like a gauge in a car. We have these gauges to help us. But we've got to be careful. You know, they're there. They're there for our help, but we can ignore them. 
You know, do you sometimes feel like in life you've got the accelerator stuck on? You know, that you're, you're redlining at life. Well, that's not good. We're always in a rush, aren't we? We're always in a hurry. And, it, you know, when I think of rush or hurry, one of the first things I think of is my experience in an airport. And, you know, when you've, you've landed and you're still in your seat, you know, you're waiting for the seatbelt sign to go off. And that's like the start gun. You know, as soon as the ping of the seatbelt sign goes off, everybody jumps up. And then the race is on. Get your luggage out from the overhead compartment. Get a good position to be able to race off the plane. And then once you're, once you're in the tunnel off the plane, that is like the, you know, got to weave in and out of here because it's a rush to get to the front of the queue at the passports. You know, who's one of those people that when you've got the stairs or the escalator, the escalator's full of people and it's busy, uh, it's slow, you know, so you can race up the stairs. I might be guilty of that. It's always a rush to get to the, to the front. Well, it's like driving. You know, I'm not going to admit anything on camera here, but the speed limit is such a challenge, isn't it? It's like, must I drive so slow? It's like, oh, it always gets in the way. Or who can relate to the supermarket experience of, you know, there's a few really long lines and it's like, hey, I mean, naturally we want to join the shortest line because we're in a rush and we're in a hurry. I mean, who would voluntarily pick the longest line, you know? But isn't it like the moment of breakthrough when you're standing in the supermarket line and then you hear the, dear customers, we are now opening till number seven. And then it's like, the, who can get there the first, you know? <laughs> We're always in a rush. We're in a hurry. Our life sets us up for that. It's like when the smartphones came along. You know, they, they meant that we're always connected to something. It means that there's always a distraction, always something that will interrupt us. You know, I challenge you. I wonder if you could turn off your phone now and leave it off for the rest of the service, maybe. Some might find that difficult. What about for the rest of the day? I mean, who could turn off their phone and, and not start sort of twitching with wanting to look at it or check it? You know, there's plenty of stats out there about how often we look at our phones. It's crazy. But we're set up in a life of, you know, just continuing on. There's not a break. There's not a rhythm. I think of Netflix as well, you know. You, you don't even have to watch the whole introduction. You can skip it. You know, at the end of an episode, you're set up for just in a few seconds' time, the next one's going to start. There's never a break. Life just carries on. You know, phones, phones are great. We can connect when we need to, and we have access to so much when we need it, but it also means it makes it so difficult to disconnect, doesn't it? Work is able to contact us at all times of the day and night. We can't put it down, we can't put it away. You know, who's, I know I'm certainly guilty of this, but your phone is often the last thing you look at before you go to bed and the first thing that you look at in the morning. And I wonder if we could change that habit in our lives. If we could be disciplined enough to put it down and not look at it last or not look at it first. That's the challenge. You know, so we've got so many things that are 
forcing themselves onto us, so many things that are setting us up for rush, for hurry, for, for busyness. So much in life that just wants to set a certain pace for us. But what I want to look at today is how do we disconnect from that? How can we set ourselves up not to be caught up in this rush, in this hurry? In what the world you know, glorifies productivity and busyness, but we want to say no, we want to take a step back from that. We want to be able to disconnect, and, and this is how I think we can do it. We want to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. You know, if, if you think about Jesus, think about the Gospels, you know, what pace of life do you think he did? If he was here today, you know, what, what sort of pace would he be looking at, li- living with? What would he be doing? You know, I don't think he'd be here at the service and, oh, you're, you know, always moving at a quick pace and like, oh, yes, hello, and sorry, and yes, I've got to go to the next meeting now. You know, Jesus was never in a hurry, was he? Think about the pace of life he did. And it wasn't that he wasn't busy. He was probably one of the busiest men around, always in high demand, you know, always teaching, always ministering. But he was never in a hurry. He was always, always present. He always had time for us. You know, he was here, there, and everywhere. He was, even when he was raising people from the dead, performing miracles, he was never in a hurry. Turn with me, if you will, to, in our Bibles to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to read from verse 38. Luke 10, verse 38. It says, As Jesus and his disciples were on the way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now here you've got this hostess, Martha, and she, she would be a great hostess, wouldn't she? It's like Jesus and, and his disciples are coming over and so she thinks, oh, okay, I better tidy up the house, I better whip up something to eat. You know, she set herself straight to work and I'm sure it's like what many of us would be. I certainly can think that. You know, if you know someone's coming, the first thing you do is quick, got to tidy up, quick, got to, you know, make something. So she's getting flustered, she's getting distracted and... And increasingly, she's getting annoyed at Mary, who she thinks is just sitting there doing nothing. But Mary's not doing nothing. She's choosing to sit with Jesus. She's choosing to step back. She's choosing what's more important. You know, notice notice the irony here. It's almost like Martha is too busy for Jesus. Does our busyness make us miss what's most important? Think also of 
the story of Lazarus in, in John 11. You know, Lazarus has died, but Jesus is in no hurry. In fact, he stays where he was two more days. Because Jesus, he walked with God. Jesus did as the Father directed. He was in step with God, never in a hurry. And it's almost the attributes that Jesus didn't display are, are important to note. You know, he was never impatient. He was never in a rush, which meant he was always present. He had time he could engage. And that's really what we want to do. We want to walk with God. We want to be in step with God. We want to we match our pace with him. We want to adopt his lifestyle. You know, and for many of us, that means slowing down. Because our life is at such a pace that to, to match pace with God is to step back from being a, in a hurry and to slow down, to take time. We're going to look at Matthew 11. Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary, or in some translations that says, all you who are worked to exhaustion, doesn't that feel like us, doesn't it? And burdened or feeling weighed down. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying, come, come. With open arms, he's saying, come. It's an invitation. You know, he's not saying, if you're tired, if you're weary, if you're exhausted, then go and do all these things for yourself, and that will fix you. No, he's saying, come to me. I am who you need. I am what you need. And then he says, take my yoke. Take my yoke upon you and you'll find rest. You know, and I wonder if those he was talking to who are very familiar with what a yoke is, you know, a yoke is like the wooden thing that they would put across the shoulders of ox or working animals. And it would carry a load. It was almost like, think of it like a first century tractor, you know, it's, it's something that goes across the shoulders, you're always with someone else, there's two in the yoke, and it puts you to work. So he's saying, if, if you're tired, if you're weary, come to me and I'll give you this instrument to work with. Seems sort of counterintuitive, doesn't it? It's like, you want to hear, like, if you're tired and weary, come to me and I'll put you on this comfortable sofa here. But he's saying, no, come to me and I'm going to give you my yoke. They would have been very familiar with what a yoke was, you know, because it was described in the Old Testament as, um, what, would, what kept them in bondage or under oppression. You know, a yoke was always described as a working thing. But Jesus, he's not offering an escape. He's offering us equipment. You know, because Jesus is real and he knows that life is heavy. He knows it's heavy emotionally. So he's not offering us an escape for our weariness and our burdens, but he's offering us equipment, tools, 
to help carry the load. You know, the world, the world might try and offer us an escape, a temporary fix for our problems. You know, movies or anything that we can escape to in our mind, but Jesus is real. He wants to offer us equipment to help us with the load. He wants to offer us a way to, to carry the burden with ease, with joy, with comfort. You know, some, some translations say, for my yoke is pleasant, or my yoke is comfortable. And it's comfortable or it's pleasant because Jesus is in there with us. You know, he's the one doing the heavy lifting for us. There's two in the yoke. We're, we're in it together with him. It's a beautiful illustration where he's taking the load, but we're alongside. And, you know, because there's two in the yoke, we, we have to match his pace. That's how we do life with him, because we're, we're walking alongside him, matching his pace. He's doing the heavy lifting, but we're in there with, it, with him. He's carrying the load. But that's how we learn from him. That's how we do life with him. And you know, the yoke equips us to, to live our lives well for Jesus because it's giving us the equipment that we need to walk out our calling, to walk out all he has for us. He is our example. He's inviting us to learn from him. He says, learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. And that Jesus there is actually quoting from that scripture in Jeremiah, chapter 6, verse 16, where it says, the ancient path, you'll find rest for your souls. Your souls. Because, you know, we're, we're spirit, we're soul and body. And each part of us needs rest. You know, we want to find that completeness, that wholeness. Shalom, we often, we know it as wholeness and completeness of rest. So how can we do it practically in this hurried life, in this day and age? How can we find that rest? Well, I want to encourage you in, in something that I've been trying to incorporate into my life recently, and Daniel and I together, is we're trying to have a Sabbath day rest, a day off in the week, a rest day, whatever you want to call it, but a week, a day that we set aside in the week that we, we try and just not do our usual thing. That's the only way I can sort of describe it is this Sabbath day, it's, it's not like we can't do anything, but we want to step back from our normal work. We want to do something that's not our usual thing. We want to develop that rhythm in our life of work and rest. Now, because busyness, a healthy busyness is okay. When we work, we want to work. But when we rest, we want to rest. You know, God did it. Jesus did it. That's Jesus' invitation, his example. You know, he rested, therefore we rest. God did it when he created the world. We know in Genesis it says, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. He did all this stuff. And on the seventh day, he rested. And this rest day was so important to him that he blessed it and made it holy. The Bible says he sanctified it. He made it holy. It was so important to him. And it wasn't because God needed the rest. He, wasn't, he didn't create the heavens and the earth and was so exhausted that he thought, oh, I just need a day off. 
but he's wanting to model something for us. He's modeling for us a rhythm, a healthy rhythm of work and rest. You know, it's, think of a, a Sabbath day, a rest day as a gift. It's not a have to. You know, it's not a rule, it's not an obligation, but it's a gift. It's a, it's a get to. So for us, it will just be not doing the usual. You know, we'll have a, a sort of quiet Friday night, a nice meal, a big sleep in on Saturday because, you know, pre-kids, we can still do that, so you've got to enjoy it while it lasts. A big rest and then, you know, a walk or something, something outdoorsy we enjoy. But it can look like whatever you want it to look like. You know, it might be it's quality family time, special time with the family. It might be reading a book. It might be going outdoors. It might be really doing physical activity. Whatever you find restful for your, your body, your spirit, and your soul, each part of it, you know. The introverts will, a rest day will look a lot different to the extroverts. You know, some, some people will want to just curl up with a book and not talk to anyone. But others will think, great, a rest day, a day off. I want to go catch up with these friends. I want to have brunch or coffee. However it looks, but it's just important to be able to switch off, to disconnect, to not work. You know, we, we have to be deliberate. We have to be intentional about this because it's so um, the opposite direction of what the world is, is taking us into, is leading us in. But I think it's important also that in not doing your usual, it's not a day to to catch up on the to-do list. You know, it's really, it's a battle against the to-do list, actually. It's not about catching up on all the other things you've got. It's about stepping back from work and saying, no, I've got to take this time. I need this. I need this day. A day to recharge, a day to replenish, and really even a day to sort of mentally prepare for the week ahead. But you know, the the world screams busyness and productivity. Actually, I think we're, we're looking at a generation that just feels burnt out. That's weary, so weary, and just sort of spiralling out of control with rush and hurry. That's something like a day off, something that God has really modelled for us is so important. You know, God, the Sabbath, a Sabbath day is God's way of saying stop. Just stop reconnect with me, spend time with me. You know, remember Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And we want to enjoy it. We want to enjoy it. There's a, a scripture in Isaiah, Isaiah 58, that says, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honourable, and if you honour it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. You know, it's a good thing. It's something to enjoy. It's a gift from God, really. So are we taking that up? Are we, are we doing that? Are we incorporating that into our life? You know, who we are, it's not about what we do. Our significance is not 
tied up in our doing. And switching off, having a day to step back from anything work or doing, it helps reinforce that. It helps reinforce that, hey, it's not about what we do. Who we are isn't tied up in that. So find what works. That's my encouragement. You know, life is, it's all about seasons, isn't it? It's going to look different from me as what it does for a family with young kids or whatever. You know, you might think like, oh, I'm too busy for a day off. That's just counterintuitive. I can't do that. Or I've got screaming kids and everything's kicking off. However it looks, you know, even if it's just setting aside quality family time where you think, I'm not going to do the supermarket shopping today. I'm not going to try and battle that rush. But that's why we have to be deliberate. We almost have to plan ahead for it, like work to have the day off. It seems funny, but it takes effort. But I really encourage you in that. It's so worth it to get that rhythm of work and rest. You know, it's... It's what trains us, really, to just stop and reconnect with God, to be still. You know, no wonder we're, we're restless when we're constantly in a rush, constantly on the go, constantly busy. But how can we expect to, to be still and, and reconnect with God, to take time with Him if we're constantly at, like, <clears throat> go, 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 go pace, just to stop? You know, we... It's hard then to sort of not check your phone or not think like, okay, that's enough time off now, I've got to go do this. But by, by practicing this, and it does take time to learn and practice, just like any other spiritual discipline, but by practicing it, we can, really, we can reconnect with God, we can get better at just stepping back and being still and hearing God's voice. You know, like that Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Jesus set an example. He would often go off with time with the Father and be alone. He would take that time to separate himself from activity, from others. And he would go and be alone with the Father. So perhaps you're here this morning and you know, you're feeling like that Jesus' invitation of come. You can't quite reconcile it in your head. You know, you think, yes, I'm, I am tired. I'm weary. I, I almost feel burnt out. But I am a follower of Jesus. And so is it not right that I feel this way? If he's saying, come to me and I'll give you rest. Well, well I'm walking with him. I'm following him. But, but I'm just not feeling that rest. I'm not finding it. Or is is rush and is hurried, you feel like that is constantly pulling you away from God, disconnecting you somehow, distracting you. Do you feel like there's just too much noise, internal noise, external noise going on in the world that's drowning out God's voice, that's meaning that you can't hear him clearly, you can't stop and be still? I think we have an opportunity this morning an opportunity to take time, an opportunity in these weeks of thinking of these different spiritual disciplines, taking time to reflect on the greatness of God, taking time to step back from our work, our activity, take time to, to fast. And all these things, you know, we're trying to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. 
as followers of him, we've got the ultimate example in how he lived life. How did he do it? That's our opportunity. We want to be living in the lifestyle of Jesus. And for so many of us, maybe all of us, that means slowing down, taking time, spending time in the Word, not not reading our Bibles as a matter of doing before we have to do something else, but prioritizing that, practicing His presence, prioritizing God in this life, abiding in Him, practicing this this God-ordained rhythm of life. You know, you can't abide in God when you're in a rush. It's all about slowing down, stepping back. Jesus is giving us an invitation. Come to me. You know, we want that easy yoke lifestyle, don't we? That pleasant and comfortable yoke We want abundant life. (laughs) Life's not something that we should just sort of try and get through with our head above water, trying not to sink. We want abundant life in Him, a life of joy, a life of hope. You know, we want to be thriving, not just surviving. So uh, I want to encourage you this morning, and as much as you can, take time. Set aside that time in your week, whatever works best for your family. But give it to God, give it to Him. Enjoy Him in it. Spend time in His Word, in creation, out in nature, whatever it looks like. But let's be slowing down, be reprioritizing what's important in life reprioritizing him, putting him first and giving him the time he deserves. That's what it's all about, isn't it? So I want to invite the band back up. I think we're just going to take some time to be still. Dan will lead us in that.